Welcome to the Wonder Church Podcast. Well, we are in a series called Abide. And before I start, I just need to say, I love this man so much. (laughs) I'm going to start crying already. (laughs) But it has been a journey this week, people. trying to learn how to formulate a message and I've done like little devotional times and led small groups you know things like that but not like a full-blown message and um I've and I've like we've uh, preached together when CJ was a youth pastor and stuff but this week has been challenging and exciting and fun and stretching and CJ has been with me every step of the way he has been so encouraging and taking the kids so that I could work on the message, and um, I now have a new respect for him. When he says, I need to go work on the message, I'm going to be like, you go work on that message. (laughs) I've got the kids. We're good. So thank you, babe, for believing in me and for helping me to become everything that Jesus made me to be. It's amazing to see you. uh, You you preach that on the stage, but to see it in, in real life has just been incredible. So thanks. I love you. All right, so back to our message. We are in the middle of a series called Abide, and we're studying the book of 1 John, and today we are reading in chapter 2, verses 3 through 11, and Sean did an awesome job reading our scripture to you. I just want to um, point out a couple things before uh, we go into it and um, give you kind of a a summary of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, We... uh, Let's see. In the at the end of our passage in John, First John, um, in verse, uh, let's see, eight. No, where am I? Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, in verse nine, ten, and eleven, it talks about hating your brother if you hate your your brother or sister, and um, what that is referring to is us as Christians, like us hating people, and it's it's. I feel like it's so easy to love people that are not uh, Christians yet, that don't know Jesus, because they're still in darkness, so you have this grace for them. You can, you know, extend that love to, to them. But when they are believers, they say that they believe in Jesus, and they're still not acting like it, then it can be really difficult to love them. But also it's talking about uh, if you cause your brother or sister to stumble. And here it's referring to the Gnostics of the day, and they were people who would would preach the word, but it was not the gospel. They were leading people astray. They were causing them to stumble. They thought that they were um, following after the footsteps of Jesus, but really they were not. (laughs) Sounds kind of familiar with some things that you hear today about um, doing whatever feels good or what makes you feel good, and it's uh, not wanting to deal with the uncomfortable stuff that is in the gospel. All right, so... I want to share with you some things that I struggle with. <laughs> I really struggle with patience with my kids. <laughs> Man, I thought I was a patient person until I had children, but let me tell you, nothing will test your patience like little people. In fact, I was just in the bathroom with Lila. It took her 10 minutes to go potty, flush the toilet, wash her hands. We had to clean the whole sink. I'm like, like God is using her to teach me patience on a whole new level. And Lila loves to um, wait until the very last second to use the bathroom. She is really good at the potty dance. <laughs> she will be dancing around the house and cannot sit still. I'm like, Lila, do you have to go to the bathroom? 
10 minutes later, Lila, do you have to go to the bathroom? No, no, I don't have to go. And then all of a sudden she dashes to the bathroom and you hear, you can hear behind the door little feet like stomping as she's like trying to get onto the toilet and go potty and barely makes it every time. I guess I'd be, I should be thankful that she actually like makes it to the toilet because it could be worse. But yeah, so patience is definitely something I struggle with. Another thing is, okay, I don't know how many of you are into the Enneagram, but I am a nine and I am, I hate conflict, like with a passion. And to me, there's peace. We always need peace. And so I married a three on the Enneagram who he's really good at, let's just work through this issue. Let's, let's get to the bottom of this. And so CJ will come in the room if he notices like this dark cloud over me. He's like, is everything okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. And if you're a woman in the room, you know, when you say I'm fine, there's not, that is not what's happening. There is something underneath the surface. And we expect our husbands to read our minds, you know, like, of course they should know there's that something is wrong. But uh, CJ has been really good at working with me on developing my conflict resolution skills. But still, it is a struggle for me. Uh, something else that I really struggle with is comparison. I think we all struggle with this uh, to some degree. But you go on social media and I see these moms who have like the perfect children that are all like dressed in matching clothing, their hair is perfect, they've got this beautiful toy room with everything that is like color coordinated and it's so hard for me to not look at the, what I see on Instagram and then compare it to myself. And then I'm making a mental checklist of like all the things that I need to work on. I need to do this better. I need to do this better. And instead of just being able to be content with where Jesus has me right now and what he's doing in me and through me and working in me, I just get stuck with uh, comparing myself. And then another thing, <laughs> sorry, this is turning into a counseling session here. <laughs> I really struggle with anxiety and it's gotten better as I've gotten older, but um, yeah, just worrying about the things that I can't control and um, our world has been turned upside down in this last year. And I think that all of us have probably come to this, uh, this new place of having to work through worries and the unknown and trusting God. But that is another thing that I really struggle with. And all of this is not living how Jesus lived. When we look at our passage here in uh, verse 6, it says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And so I look at these areas that I struggle with, and I'm like, that is not living like Jesus lived. And how, how do I do that? How do I how do I overcome these things that I'm constantly struggling with and, and live the way he lived? He lived, like Madison was saying during worship, or maybe it was the pre-service prayer time, I can't remember, but that we live from a, a place of peace. We're not trying to get to the, to the peace. We're not trying to get to the rest, that we're already there. And from there, that's how we approach every situation that we face in our lives. Jesus loved, I mean... I think you can just say that and walk off the stage. <laughs> but Jesus loved. And um, if we look at the Last Supper, isn't it incredible that he knew what was ahead of him? He knew he was going to the cross. And he knew that the disciples would run away, that they would deny him, that they wouldn't go with him. And yet, at the Last Supper, he chose to be like the lowliest of servants and wash his disciples' feet. 
He washed their feet. He broke bread with them when Judas was about to go and betray him. He sat down and had a meal with him. And it's so incredible to me to see that Jesus would do that for people without expecting something in return. And so often I find myself in this place of I will love someone, but there's always something, you know, that you're thinking, okay, if I love them, then they're going to be nice to me. Or if I love them, then they're, you know, to help me or, or whatever the situation is. But, but that we would have the mind of Jesus and we would see people with that kind of a love to be able to love them that way. Being a Christian is not without expectation from the Lord. Like, he wants us to be pursuing holiness. He wants us to be walking with him and to be constantly letting him transform us. But at the same time, God is so gracious with us. He is our our gracious father that is willing to walk with us and pick us up when we fall and pick us up when we can't do things and coach us and help us along the way. We have this incredible a tree in our backyard and uh, I grew up in Auburn so not that far down the road like 45 minutes but in Auburn there at least where I live there was tons of pine trees in fact I think our neighborhood was called Forest Villa <laughs> but uh, huge pine trees and they're beautiful but man those pine needles just drive me crazy they get everywhere on everything so I was really excited when we moved up here and we didn't have any pine trees in our yard. Instead, we had these beautiful, huge oak trees that in the fall, their leaves turn red and yellow and orange and they're so beautiful. And so when we were first there last August, I remember sitting on the couch just doing my devotions and looking up at this beautiful tree and uh, just in awe of it. And then I noticed this really ugly dead branch towards the bottom of the tree. And I'm like, well, that's annoying because it's, it's kind of in the neighbor's yard, so it's not even like we could prune it off or something. But anyway, I still loved the rest of the tree. And then as the, the winter came and the leaves were gone, I noticed that I couldn't see that branch anymore. And I thought maybe a windstorm knocked it off or, you know, it, maybe somebody pruned it or something, but didn't give it much thought. And then just last week, I was sitting on the back deck drinking my coffee and looking up at the beautiful tree that's now full of green leaves again, and I saw that dead branch. And I was like, there it is, I see it. And I felt like this was a picture of our lives, my life particularly. And the reason I couldn't see that branch before when, uh, when the, it was all, all the leaves were gone is because it was disguised by by all the branches being what looked like they, they all looked like they were dead. So when it had leaves again, it was like all of a sudden it stuck out to me and I saw it as a picture of my life that when I am abiding in God, when I am living my life and um, letting him show me the things in my life that, that are not pleasing to him, that then they stick out and I can see them. And... Um, when we abide with God, we can see clearly what doesn't belong. And I, that was exactly what happened with, when I saw that tree. It was just a reminder of, Nicole, when you're with me, when you're in relationship with me and spending time with me, that's when I will show you. I can show you the things in your life that are holding you back. I can show you why you can't have patience with your kids. I can show you why you're struggling with conflict with CJ. I can show you why you're, you're comparing yourself and having anxiety and all of these things. And the, um, I think that it's such a beautiful picture. When we can see and prune the bad in, in our lives, we can thrive. 
And it's when we allow God to show us those things, to prune those things in our lives, that he can really begin to help us thrive and grow. When we abide, we can thrive. Something about pruning trees that's really interesting is uh, I was doing some research this week to see, like, what it, like, how does pruning relate to our spirituality? And uh, one of the things that I noticed was uh, the reason that it's important to prune dead branches off of trees is because if you leave a dead branch on it, it can cause the rest or disease to get into the tree and infect the rest of the tree and kill it. It can allow insects in there to get under the bark and to kill the tree. And in the wintertime, if you leave that dead branch on the tree, it could be knocked off in a windstorm, but then it could cause damage to cars. Uh, when we lived in Auburn, we had those giant pine trees that I mentioned earlier, we would have huge windstorms and the the branches that were dead on the tree, we weren't very good at pruning our trees. <laughs> the, the branches that were dead would fall and like stab into the ground and they call them widow makers. I mean, that is really dangerous. I mean, huge branches that are just like stabbed into our, our yard. So imagine like spiritually, if you have these, these branches in your life that are, are dead and so like anxiety or unforgiveness is a big one and things that if, if a storm comes in your life, you could lash out and you could hurt other people. Or a generational curse, that's probably kind of a Christian term, but things that your family struggles with that, like divorce, let's say. If you can't learn how to have a healthy marriage, then your children aren't seeing a healthy marriage. So then when they grow up and they get married, they're more likely to have a divorce because they haven't had that example. Instead of learning how to prune the branches in your life of pride to be able to have a healthy marriage and uh, unforgiveness and these things that will um, cultivate a healthy, flourishing life or a healthy, flourishing tree. Thanks, babe. <laughs> uh, we're going to look at John fifteen five, And it says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. From, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So no wonder I'm struggling with these things, anxiety and fear and, and not having patience with my kids and all these things if I'm trying to do it in my own strength. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. It's all about abiding in Jesus. You can try to fix everything on your own, or you can abide and let him do it. It's, again, going back to that place of we are going from a place of peace, and from a place of rest. And Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And, and so we need to remember that when, we're, when we are trying to make something happen on our own, that it's Jesus, it's not us, that wants to do it through us. Abiding takes time. Uh, a few years ago, my parents, um, we were having a conversation with them, Rick and Drusy. Drusy's in the back, and my dad's right up here doing the broadcasting. And uh, we were having a conversation about spending time with Jesus. And they had been doing this new exercise where in the morning they would spend, like, hours just in silence. And I don't even think I have 
an hour of silence to myself in the day. <laughs> so I'm like, that just sounds impossible. But CJ and I started getting up early and spending time with God. And um, my parents were just talking about the incredible things that the Lord was showing them as they were spending time just in his presence with no agenda, just asking him to speak to them. And so we started getting up and doing that. And I will tell you, for the, the first probably few weeks, I would sit there for 45 minutes and be like, the to-do lists are running through my mind, anxieties that I didn't even know I had started surfacing, like all of these things were just swimming around in my head, and I was, it was so hard for me to just sit and be quiet, plus I'm an extrovert, so for CJ, I felt like it was a little easier, because he's, you know, he's typically a pretty quiet guy, but not for me, (laughs) but then as I kept on doing it pretty soon. It went down to 30 minutes, and then it was 15 minutes, and then it was like right away, and when I would sit down, it was like Jesus had things to talk to me about. It was so awesome, and one of the things that um, my parents were talking to us about is it's called, they call it the examine, and it's just asking God to examine your heart, and going through the day before and asking him, Lord, was there anything yesterday that did not please your heart? Was there anything that... Um, that you want me to work on, like a blind spot that I didn't see, or, or maybe I offended someone or offended you, Lord, and he will show you as you spend time just in his presence and letting him work in you. It takes time, but eventually he will show you. And the thing that's so amazing is Jesus always is so loving. Whenever I would ask him to reveal things to my heart, it was never condemning. And I think it's important to remember that Jesus, um, he convicts us, but he doesn't condemn us. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is from the enemy. Conviction says, I want to bring you higher. I want to help you be better. Condemnation says you'll never be good enough. You did it again. You messed up again. You should just stop trying. Conviction makes us run to the cross, and condemnation makes us run away from it. So I mentioned earlier that I deal with conflict with, uh, in, in a not very healthy way with CJ. <laughs> and when we were first married, I remember so many times, I have this picture of myself sitting on the couch, and, oh, and Madison, you can come up now. <laughs> I have this picture of myself sitting on the couch, and CJ being like, wanting to talk through something. And we never had like huge issues, you know, but, but still, like, you know, you're newly married, you're trying to figure things out, and easily offended and or whatever and so um so we're sitting there and he's he's wanting to talk about it and I am totally stonewalling him and it's not like I am not wanting to to like have our relationship be restored but I was so scared I was scared of the conflict I was afraid that I couldn't trust him that he would blow up at me or uh, accuse me or just belittle me and he had never done that before it was just all in my head And as the years have gone by, we've gotten a lot better at um, resolving issues. And uh, we've even done some marriage counseling, which, by the way, everyone should see a a Christian counselor. (laughs) It is so good for your soul to be able to figure things out for yourself. But uh, yeah, so we were working through our stuff, and I was learning how to trust CJ more. And one of the things that drove me crazy, though, when we were first married in our marriage counseling, uh, we learned this this exercise where you say, uh, so what what I'm hearing you say is, 
I see some nodding heads. And it was so hard for me because he would say, so what I'm hearing you say is, I'm like, you are mocking me. Like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> but he was really, like, what I realized was his heart was really that he wanted to restore our relationship. And I would humble myself, and because I realized how much pride I had in my heart. I'd humble myself, and I would say, so what I'm hearing you say, back to him. And we were able to work through stuff and get to the bottom of things. And I, this week has been amazing to see CJ coach me and have such incredible insights for me and say, no, you shouldn't do that or you should do that. And, uh, and I had to have a lot of humility to be able to receive his feedback. And um, so pat on the back, Nicole. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but the thing is, it showed me such a picture of how Jesus is. CJ really was Jesus to me this week in, in that Jesus wants us to thrive. And at Wonder Church, we say that we want to help you become everything that Jesus made you to be. And we say that because that is Jesus' heart for each one of us. He has huge plans for our lives, and we have to be willing to lay down what we think they're supposed to be and let him be the one that shows us. And that happens through abiding. It happens through being in his presence. One of our values here at Winter Church is we are people of the presence. And that is where it begins. That's where you begin to see the things in your life that God wants to to pull away and to heal and to to bring um, new vision and new dreams to things that are broken in your lives. Some of you might think that God is a condemning God. Maybe you grew up with a dad who wasn't very good at showing affection or um, was critical, but that's not who our Heavenly Father is. When he points things out, it's not because he hates. It's because he loves. I see CJ with our kids. and Sorry, I'm talking about CJ a lot today. <laughs> and how lovingly he disciplines them. And when they do something that uh, is against the rules, he's firm with them, and I'm firm with them. But it does not mean that we don't love them. We're doing it because we're wanting them to become everything Jesus made them to be. And it's important for us to be able to establish boundaries with them now so that they can understand. I saw this um, quote. I can't even remember who it was. But they were talking about how um, we love our kids. And then eventually... Uh, and, and raise them up and teach them and eventually they will look to Jesus. So they're looking to us now as their leaders and as uh, their authority. But the goal is to raise them up to see Jesus as their authority. And I think for each of us, if you look at yourself through the eyes of a child that our Heavenly Father, He wants that for us too. It's never never out of um, never out of anger that he responds it's always out of love so I think we're all family today so I'm just going to um, challenge you and um, I'm going to challenge you to spend some time abiding in Jesus let's all close our eyes and bow our heads and today if you um, If you want to go deeper with Jesus, 
if you want to become everything he made you to be, it starts with abiding. And so my challenge for you today is to just spend 15 minutes with Jesus in the mornings this week. And just ask him, ask him to show you who he is and how he sees you. You know, the Bible is a love letter to us. Let him romance you. Let him fill the empty places in your heart. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to take on the challenge and spend 15 minutes with Jesus this week. Awesome. Hands going up all over. That's great. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that your, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I thank you that you call us to come and abide in you. And it's when we are abiding, that's when our lives will produce fruit. And that's when you can help us to grow, to be strong and um, healthy and everything that you made us to be, Lord. And so today, God, I thank you for touching hearts. Lord, I thank you for putting a hunger in our hearts for the word and for being with you, spending time with you and living like Jesus did. Lord, you don't call us to do something impossible. You just call us to simply come and be with you. And I thank you for, for the beauty in that. Lord, that you went to the cross and you paid the price so we can have relationship with you. So we give you this day, we give you this week. Lord, I thank you for meeting us in new ways. We at Wonder Church are people of the presence. And I thank you that this week we are going to walk in that. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you like, subscribe, and share it with a friend? 